0: Welcome to The Breakfast Leadership Show, where we interview global thought leaders on business, leadership, and life. Here's your host, keynote speaker, best-selling author, and chief burnout officer of The Breakfast Leadership Network, Michael Levitt. Welcome back. I've got Jeff Hunter on the line. Jeff, how are you? I'm doing well. I see great to be this. on here with my fellow bald brother. I was going to say, we got we got the same barber. You know, the nice thing with this pandemic and barbershops and all the hairstyles all being closed and things like that is like, not a problem to me. I just, boop, boop, done. You know, not that I recommend that for everybody, but it is an option. So great to have you on the show. You do some amazing work. So I want you to share with the audience a little bit about uh, you, uh, you know, the work that you do, and 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 we'll dive right in. Well, if you're watching this on video, you
1: probably see the Savage Marketer swag. Um, That's kind of a passion of mine. I have a podcast much like yours. Um, But it's funny because uh, uh, my whole life, I guess I've been in IT and project management. I've been building virtual teams before virtual teams were cool. Um, I have ambitions of being a pro gamer still, even though I'm almost 40. (laughs) It got a really cool... Computer rig for those of you watching <laughs> um, but you know my passion has always been around building teams, and uh, it's been it's been a challenge that 's for sure i've had my fair share of problems. I have over a hundred people that work for me directly right now, um, all around the world i'd say about eighty percent of my team are in the Philippines, and uh, I guess by accident. And I guess on purpose, I've learned how to uh, delegate effectively to virtual teams. I now have a column on entrepreneur.com. I write
0: about virtual teams and delegation. So yeah, that's kind of the gist. Once, and we talked a little bit in the pre-show on how entrepreneurs, and I have a lot of small business owners and new startups that listen to the show. And one of the things that they struggle with is delegating and they try to do everything, which means they're not really doing anything well. Mm-hmm. They're just kind of moving things very slowly. It's like, okay, they move over to this. Okay, well now I gotta do the accounting and oh, I gotta do this and I gotta do, okay, now I gotta do the social media stuff. Mm-hmm. All these things that you know everybody wants to do when they are running a business, whether it's a new one or um, you know, relatively new, uh, they, they think they gotta be involved in all of that stuff. And you know, I learned myself years ago, it's like, no, you need to Delegate the stuff that a you're not good at or two doesn't grow your business. It, mm. It's like offload that. So, uh, you know, what are some of the common things that you hear people say when you approach them about hey, you need you need to get some uh, virtual assistance here uh, to help you with your business?
1: Well, ironically, I never say that. <laughs> um, most people already know that they need help. It's just they don't know how to get help. You know, it's it's kind of like. I'd say 90% of the people that I speak to have like analysis paralysis, you know? Um, They just don't know how to do it. Or they'll give me a couple excuses. First excuse that's the most common is, well, I'm too busy, right? You're too busy to be unbusy, which is a huge lie. Um, The other thing that people tell me is that, you know, well, no one will ever really You know, care about my business the way I do. I've been doing it so long, it's just faster if I do it myself. Actually, that's probably the only, that is probably true, actually. (laughs) No one probably does care about your business more than you. Um, And secondly, yeah, you probably can do something faster than somebody, but let's just put it to you this way. What if somebody can do something that you do 80%, 80%, but that frees you up 100% from doing it? Right. Um, There's, there's kind of that, uh, you know, there's kind of a stop gap. You got to figure out like, when is something worth doing or when is something worth outsourcing? Or I hate the term outsourcing. I call it upsourcing and downsourcing, which is probably going to be the title of my next book. Um, But yeah, I think upsourcing is, is delegating things that are beyond, what you really should do, or beyond your skill set, for example, I'm a really bad graphic designer. I definitely didn't make this, you know. So that's upscaling, right? That's upsourcing. I'm, I'm, I'm finding someone who's better at something than me to do something. Then there's downsourcing, which is uh, taking me my notes for calls, meeting minutes, um, doing my administrative work, checking my emails. Uh, you know, sending out invoices to my clients, putting together, you know, all those little signature docs and stuff for contracts and following up with people. And, you know, so that's downsourcing. So I guess there's kind of that pendulum that swings like, okay, should I do it? Should I not do it? And I will tell you that a lot of people are so focused on kicking the rocks that they never really have time to push the boulder, you know, really push the the the, the big as a... As, uh, uh, I think you you might know Brian Tracy. Uh, Brian Tracy has a book called "Eat That Frog." You know, like the point of the book is that like you should be working on the most challenging, difficult thing, but we always find ways to do that simple stuff, kicking the rocks instead of pushing the boulder.
0: Yeah, it's Brian's book is is one of those books I always recommend people to to read because. <laughs> Again, yes, there's challenges. There's a lot of things that's going to take time and effort, but you'll have the time and the effort and the energy to be able to tackle those big things because once you complete that... Then you've moved your organization, or even yourself as an individual, so much further along than you know the kicking the rock situation. You know, you're kicking little things around. Well, guess what? You're you're playing in the little play- playground. Then you're not you're not doing the big things that you wanted to do when you launch your business or whatever project you you've taken on. So you know, yeah, eating that frog. Yeah, you know, they're not tasty, but. You you use ketchup or sriracha sauce or something, you know what it help help wash it down a little bit. You know, a couple of pints of something may help too, depending on what you like. You know, it's anything's possible. But again, when you push yourself, that's when you start seeing the growth. That's when you start seeing momentum. That's when you start seeing your business really start to make an impact in things. And it's it's critical to do that. Yeah, it's absolutely right. So why did you launch your business? I mean, I know you, you, you kind of alluded to it a little bit before, but, you know, what, what did you see? Because um, obviously, you know, with having, you know, over 100 people, you know, under your purview, it, it's not a small entity, um, in my opinion. You know, small entities would be like five to 10 people, maybe. It's like when you start getting into that 100 range, uh, whether they're virtual or in person or hybrid thereof, yeah. that, that's, a, that's, a, that's an organization, yeah. Well,
1: we have we have two conversations here. The first one <laughs> is what you said: How did I start my business? Why did I start it? The second would be, yeah, that hundred person mark and what I've learned. Both are ver- both I think could be very valuable to anyone listening. The very first part would be, you know, it, it, I kind of started VA Staffer by accident. That's that's my company. VA Staffer it stands for Virtual Assistant Staffer. Um, and if I would have known anything about marketing 7 years, 8 years ago, I wouldn't have called it that. I would have called it something like, you know, personal assistance for hire, <laughs> you know, something like that. Um, but uh, you know, when I worked at a Fortune 500 company, I was a project manager, IT project manager, and I did that for several years. Before that, I was the IT coordinator for a school district. Before that, I was your IT guy, network administrator pretty much my entire adult life has been dedicated to IT infrastructure, coordination, project management. And I've always had teams, and they've always been resources, you know? Resource management is a huge deal. Uh, it's really interesting though. You know, I, I think that when I started working at Philips back in 2012, <clears throat> That was kind of like my wake up call because we were managing projects virtual. I was working. It was my first job where I worked from home. It was my first taste of being independently kind of operated. And even though I worked for Phillips, I really was like independent. You know, I was managing 50, 60 projects at any given time. I would be in rooms full of, you know, very important people in person and virtual. This is before zoom. We used to just use, you know, conference calls back in the day. And, um, you know, Zoom's, Zoom is a luxury. You know, today, I mean, people don't even know how nice we have it. Um, but uh, as we started building out the business and I started realizing that I was actually able to accomplish more with virtual teams, I would send out field service engineers out on site, they drop a server off. And then I would have most of my team remotely manage. I would be there for a kickoff call. I'd be there for like, uh, you know, a go live. And then like, that was it. That was all the client saw me. I mean, they would hear me, you know, on a weekly call or a biweekly call, but that was it. And um, when I started perfecting that model of just remote collaboration, stuff just started getting done. And my average project timeline length would get shorter, my revenue was getting higher. And within 12 months, I became a top five project manager at Philips nationwide. And that was very interesting moment to me because, believe it or not, the reason that became is because I, I actually hired someone outside of the company to help me build out my project documentation. Which, by the way, is one of those things that as project managers, it's like a really important thing of the job, but I've learned that it wasn't important that I do it. I put together the timelines. I put the dependencies together. I sent it over to a guy who was way more experienced than me in building out Gantt charts and project documentation. And I sent it all over to him and boom, he did it faster and better. And, and people were just giving me rave reviews about my documentation. So that was my first taste in delegation virtually. Uh, since then, you know, um, I started building out other things. What are what are other things that I could start delegating in my life? And at one point I was working at Philips and I had already built a team of almost 20 people in the Philippines doing other random things. I started a business on Fiverr. That's how it started on, on Fiverr.com back when it was still five bucks. <laughs> and I was like, you know, kind of pimping out services on Fiverr, just trying to figure out what worked. Um, and I just found out that a lot of people liked marketing, you know? Um, so social media marketing, things like that. Um, and next thing you know, <clears throat> I had I had decided it was time to venture and do my own thing. I started realizing that my own job, even though I loved it, I still call that job the, the best and the last job that I'll ever have. <laughs> um I started realizing that you know maybe I'm onto to something, so I, I took the leap of faith on February 29th of 2016, so not even that long ago to take the plunge full- time into entrepreneurship and um, now with a team of a hundred <laughs> I've definitely learned a lot. <laughs>
0: I would say so, and you know the a couple of things, especially around delegation. And I hammer this home when I talk with people. And I was lousy at delegation, you know, prior to my my burnout situation and health scare and all of that stuff. And then after making some significant adjustments in my life, the pendulum swung the other way. Where now anything that lands on my desk, I go, "Who besides me could work on this?" and if i think of somebody guess what they're getting it unless i've overloaded them already with things then i'm like okay well maybe maybe i should pick this up or i cool. can do this but it, it just makes it so much easier and then that way i know that you know i don't even have to do it and that, and even you know and uh, based on what you said you know there's something that you know i'll add to the repertoire as well is even before it lands on my desk, someone else should be able to look at it and delegate it before it even gets to me is one Ooh. way to look at it.
1: Yeah. Here's a, here's a good tip. This is one of the things I've learned recently, just in the last year. My own assistant, Isabel, she actually came up with this idea. She realized that so every morning at 9 a.m., I have a project management call an old habit that I had from my previous work, except that was at 7am and I'm not a morning person. So I moved it to 9am cause I'm the boss now. <laughs> well, I wake up around eight ish. Okay. I say eight ish because I set my alarm for eight 30, but I hardly ever make it to my alarm. I, I'm a body clock sleeper guy, but, um, and I know that people are like, Oh my gosh, wow. You get to sleep that much. Yeah. Yeah, you know, now, ironically, uh, I guess I shouldn't say I sleep that much because I don't. But a lot of times my team's in the Philippines, so I'm usually up a little bit later, you know, just because of the time difference, although most of them work on U.S. time. But uh, what's interesting is I I use this little trick, and this is what's really important. When something comes in, you have to do something. You have to act on it. And I call it ADD. This is the methodology, okay? You've got to do three things, all right? If you don't do these three things, then you're forced to do it yourself. Here we go. The, and by the way, you're going to like this acronym, ADD, all right? The very first thing that you want to figure out when something comes in is to automate. Do you want to automate something? So like, for example, if you know that there's a work queue or something like that, can you just have some, you have a catch all email or do you have a project management tool that when people are trying to actually have you or your team do something, can you set up a process to do that? So <clears throat> uh, the reason I brought that up, that's the automation piece is because Isabel proposed that during my nine o'clock project management call, she says that sometimes I, I'm, I seem distracted and I'm not focused on what the other project managers or six of them are saying. And she called me out three months into being my EA. She called me out on this and I said, okay, well, to be honest, sometimes I wake up at eight 30. And by the time I'm on the 9.00 AM call, I still haven't gone through my hundred emails and I'm still going through them. And I'm, I am a little distracted. And she said, well, why don't I start my shift an hour before you wake up and I'll go through the emails so that by the time you come online, I'll just have like the important ones that need your attention and the rest of them I'll figure out for you. And I was like, Hmm. I said, no, (laughs) I'm a control freak. (laughs) Uh, That was tough for me, but I eventually did. I, 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 I did give that to her. And see, here's the thing. Honestly, the word delegation should actually be empowerment. You're empowering other people to do things. You're empowering people to take over their responsibilities. And people like empowerment, by the way. So that gets to the D, okay? So we talked about automation. The second is delegation. Or you have to make the decision. If you can't automate it, you can't delegate it. You either have to delete it or you got to do it yourself. Right? Um, but you have to do something because, mm-hmm. see, this is the thing that I think most entrepreneurs have a problem with is like they just let stuff slip. And the reason why I've had such expansive and like explosive exponential growth is because I have hardly let things slip over the years. And I guess that is one positive trait of being a Fortune 500 project manager in the past. <laughs> you cannot let things slip when you're managing multi million dollar projects. Um, so, yeah, you either have to automate, delegate, or delete. That's the three things you've got to, and you have to do
0: it right away. I love that acronym, and you know the the delete or do it is you know you didn't say a lot of times I've heard people say defer I'm like, you don't want to defer what well if if you're deferring it, why are you deferring it? I mean, there could be some reasons for it, where it's like, okay, I don't need to do anything on this until June, for example, case in point, I speak publicly at, at conferences and whatnot. So a lot of times the event planners will send some things and say, all right, here's the protocols on this. And one of them is, okay, we need to see your slides by June 15th, but we want you to use our template, which we will be mailing out May fifteenth. Well, here we are at the time of recording is in April. I can't do anything with that. So yeah, I do have to defer that. But for most things, is like don't let that procrastination thing get in there. It's like okay, what are we doing with this? Can we automate it? You know, use an emails, use you know filters for everything. So I I keep my inbox as lean as I possibly can. So if it's the typical newsletters or whatever that I still want to have, and I've unsubscribed from so many, if any of my friends or colleagues are listening, I'm sorry, it's nothing personal. I just don't want to deal with 10,000 emails because uh, I'm not going to get a chance to look at your email. And it just it just makes it a lot easier for me. But for others, they need that, especially if you know the emails could be client updates or project updates or whatnot. So yeah, you need to get those things but I love the fact that um, your assistant you know early on in in the relationship went, yeah let me go ahead and take that over for you. so that way at 9 a.m when the coffee's kind of kicked in, you can be a little bit more fully engaged in in the update meetings and whatnot which again, we will probably shorten those meetings because you're not looking at emails or thinking about those emails on top of this thing. You're like, okay, I'm here. What are we doing? And and move it's, things yeah. along faster. So that's awesome. It's actually
1: worked so well that most of the other project managers now, we've actually been able to start getting them assistance to start having the same problem, uh, to fix the same problem because it was the same thing. So now I'm the guy on the call, fully prepared for the call and everyone else is still working on the call. <laughs> So I got to feel what it felt like, um, and it was it, it was very interesting, you know. Which I think is a perfect transition over to what we were talking about with the hundred person team, because you know I've hired a lot of people to get to 100. I've hired hundreds of people to get the hundred people I have now. Um, and it's funny because over the years, so much has changed about what I want, what I'm looking for when I hire somebody so interesting it i used to look i used is. to look for specific skills like i'd be like you know i really need a web developer i really need a i really need someone who's good at javascript or i really need someone who's good at you know graphics or making certain specific things or man i'd really like to have an audio editor for my podcast or whatever <laughs> you know what it's really interesting sure there's a couple roles like that especially on the creative side where you really are looking specifically for skills but what I've learned is that there's really three abilities. There's three things. I don't even know if they're abilities. They're qualities. How about that? Qualities. There's three qualities in people that I'm really looking for. The first one, and, and it, not the most important, I think all three are equally important, but the very first one is adaptability. You know, How fast can they pick up something new? and run with it, that's very uh, telling of a person's intelligence is their adaptability. So I guess adaptability is a catch-all for intelligence. Uh, the second is work ethos, you know, like what is their work ethic like? And you can tell, by the way, what someone's work work ethic is like, um, and it's funny because it's nothing that anyone will tell you, it's what they have to show you, right? Uh, you know, this is, are they, are they on time? You know, do they have attention to detail? You know, do they, uh, do they communicate well? Um, You know, soft skills. The the third thing uh, is, is just give a damn. Do they give a damn? And, you know, It's interesting because, because I emphasize those three things, you could probably imagine my interview process and my, my application process is much different than an Upwork or a Fiverr or a online jobs type of a thing. Our application process to work here is experiential. So they have to prove those three things. We actually give them actual calls. Like, let's say, for example, I give them a recording of this call. And then I tell them to give their biggest takeaways from the call, you know? And I'd say, who was on the call? (laughs) You know, what did we talk about on the call? What are the action items that are on the call? And the funny part is that actually prepares them for one of the things that we teach them, which is how to take meeting minutes. Everyone that works for me has to know how to take meeting minutes. <laughs> it's just bar none. That's just how it is. Because there should never be a call anytime at any place that doesn't have an agenda, doesn't have an outcome, and doesn't have some action items. That's how I see it. So <clears throat> that uh, that that those are the three things that you really can't teach people. If they have these three qualities, you can teach them damn near anything.
0: Yeah. I love that. And the give a damn one is good too. And you can sense that because that ties in well with, with a work ethic type of thing because, yeah, and, it, you
1: know, <clears throat> people say, well, how do you find out if someone gives a damn? Well, you can tell, um, you know, one of the things that I do is I just test to see how they, what happens when they fail. You know, I've got some things designed to fail, you know, and when you see how people do, you know, I get these email updates pretty much every morning. Uh, and they tell me how many people applied to work for me. And usually I'll have six to eight people apply. And when I say apply, they start the application process. So it records their name and email address. And then they actually have to go into the into the into the experiential application where it gives them activities for them to perform and they have to prove their three abilities, right They've got to learn they've got to prove that they're adaptable and and they have good work ethic and that they give a damn. And the test actually does have all three of those built in. Um, and out of those seven to eight people a day that apply, one or two will finish their application right? So that's the thing. If you have a really good screening process, it's very, it's very incredible. You're going to waste less time, you know? And, and this is, goes back to that ADD, right? So like I have an HR recruiter. Her name's Liz. She used to be the recruiter for Shopify uh, in the Philippines. And she, re, most recently, she was the recruiter trainer for Canva.com. And, you know, it's, she's world-class. Um, you know, and you're muted by the
0: way. (laughs) Um, I know, I know. I usually, I was taking, I I was taking a, I was taking a drink. So um. I caught you. Sorry. Um,
1: but what's, I, I saw you say, wow, earlier. Um, but it's, it's very interesting because a lot of people, you know, if you, if you set up the systems, you know, and you have, if you have that kind of automation factor built in, then see, I'm not wasting Liz's time on applicants that should have never gotten to an interview because they didn't prove that they have what it takes. And that's why I always recommend people to have your interview process, your application process, you have to incorporate experiential stuff to where you give them assignments and you have them turn it in. For example, two or three of the questions on the application are video form, which means it asks a question and you have to click the button in the browser that turns your video on and you have to give a response verbally. So that way I can tell because I I really need people on my team who are able to, you know, respond quickly and under pressure (laughs) and they have to be comfortable on camera and that's because i'm am building the next generation of virtual team you know just because we're virtual doesn't mean we're connected you know and i want people to to know that you know like your how you show up matters
0: it's critical. And you're laying the foundation for an organization that obviously is doing amazing work now, but it's setting it up for the future as well. And I really look forward to seeing how dramatic growth you'll continue to have for, for the next you know few years and decades to come. So, Jeff, I've loved this conversation today. Where can people find out more about you and all this amazing work we've talked about today?
1: Uh, If you want to learn more about virtual assistants, you can go check out Vastaffer.com. that's my virtual assistant site. Um, I'm super proud actually I just recently became Google verified so now if you go to Google, like it used to sound like an insult like Google me, you know um but now if you go to google and type in jeff j hunter you'll see everything about me I'm an american entrepreneur and all my profiles and if you're into gaming <laughs> i highly suggest you check out my tiktok account where i just got my 125,000 follower 125,000 follower uh it's just been a, it's been a hell of a journey. So I appreciate you having me on the show, Michael.
0: I definitely have all that information and in show notes and, and love the fact that you, you have all kinds of different interests, you know, not just, you know, the marketing <laughs> side of things and, and virtual assistants, but you know, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a pretty healthy gaming box that you showed on the video that that's good. You know, it, it keeps us young. And I, I think that's what's so important. So Jeff, thanks again so much for being on the show. Thank you.